One of the only short-term silver linings for someone close to us passing away is if you are fortunate enough to receive an inheritance from them. And talk about what is usually a very bittersweet blessing. Right? While it is certainly nice to receive an inheritance, a sudden influx of money or property or cherished gifts from a loved one, we almost always would rather still just have that person with us. But imagine if we could take the bitter out of the bittersweetness of an inheritance and have it given to us by someone who was still with us, who was still alive. And then imagine if that inheritance you were to receive was massive. This may sound crazy to you, but imagine if someone said, I'm putting you in my will, and one day you'll receive as a gift everything you see. Right? And so not just a pile of money or an old house or a successful company, but literally everything you lay your eyes upon will be yours. Everything. The land, the water, the sky, the plants, the creatures, across the whole earth, yours. If that sounds too fantastical to you, then you might find yourself surprised by Jesus' words today. Because that is the essence of a blessing that he promises to give As an inheritance. As an inheritance. But, not just anyone will receive this blessing. It is a particular kind of people who will. But believe it or not, it may just include you. Even already, you may already be in the will. And if not, it can include you one day. You can be given immense incredible blessings as an inheritance. So, to find out who will be blessed this way and, to, and how we might find ourselves among them, please turn in your Bibles to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, continuing our summer-long march through Jesus' blessed R statements, the Beatitudes, which describe the kind of people that God loves to bless. Before we dig in, though, to find your spot, I invite you to to pause at this time and and pray with me for this time together in God's Word. Heavenly Father, we pray that your Word would truly speak to us today. That it would not be my words, but it would be your words, showing us what it means to be blessed by you and how we can get there. God, we need you. We need your grace. We need your Spirit at this time speak to each heart. I pray that you would do that, and we thank you uh, that you hear us now. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll begin reading from the end of chapter 4, last verse, so verse 25, it says this, and great crowds followed Jesus from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. 
And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So there's the scene. And then Jesus began his sermon. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now that first statement, a verse before, about being poor in spirit, is really foundational for everything that follows. Because it says that the, the first step to God's blessing is to realize our need for Him. Right, that we are in desperate need in ourselves, inside ourselves. We are spiritually impoverished without Him. And once we realize how inadequate we are and how fallen we are, that naturally leads to that second part of, be, of mourning, which we studied last week. Mourning over who we are and what we've done. And as we mourn, we begin to experience the blessing of God comforting us with his compassion. And all that builds up to what Jesus says next in verse 5 for today. Look at it with me. He says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, if I were to ask you all, what does it mean to be meek? I'd probably get at least a dozen different answers. Some of them might be closer than others. Some of your guesses may be fairly accurate. But I think that most of us likely have no idea what it means to be meek. In fact, if someone were to come up to you and say, You're so meek. We might take that as an insult. Maybe that's because meek rhymes with weak. But meekness is not weakness. In fact, it's fully compatible with strength, authority, and power. We might think that a a meek person sounds like someone who would be soft-spoken, or timid, or spineless, wrong. Meekness does not mean quietness or passivity or laziness or niceness or or unmanliness. No, we can throw all those incorrect ideas of meekness right out the window. So what does it mean to be meek then? Other Bible translations say, blessed are the gentle or blessed are the gentle and lowly. And well, I think that gives us part of the picture. I do think there's more to meekness than that. John Stott explains that the Greek word used here for meek, that Jesus uses, means gentle, humble, considerate, courteous, and therefore exercising the self-control without which these qualities would be impossible. Colin Smith also gives a thorough definition. It says, meekness is controlled strength. Controlled strength. It tames the temper, subdues the self, calms the passions, manages the impulses of the heart, and brings order out of chaos in the soul. Those start to give you a a little bit of a feel for meekness, what it is. It's definitely an attitude of our hearts, right? But it would show itself in a, a myriad of ways in our everyday lives. However, I'd contend that 
You cannot become meek the way God wants you to be meek unless you first realize how poor in spirit you are and then mourn your sin. True meekness is born out of those qualities. There's, it's a progression here. And seeing God as he really is and ourselves as we really are builds humility in us, which is an essential quality of meekness. And then mourning our sin will help us be kinder and gentler with other people's sins, which are really evidences of that meekness inside of us. Spurgeon's definition of meekness is simply to be lowly and gentle before God and man. For God and man. This is really the first beatitude that, that at least partially deals with how we relate to other people around us. Meekness deals with how I react when other people that I'm in relationship with do certain things to me. How am I going to react to that? Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, The man who is truly meek is the one who is truly amazed that God and man can think of him as well as they do and treat him as well as they do. This makes him gentle, humble, sensitive, patient in all his dealings with others. So who are the meek? Who are those that Jesus says will be blessed by God? You might imagine there are many different aspects to meekness. But here's my attempt to to kind of summarize them, all right? God blesses people who humbly submit to his control. God blesses people who are meek, who humbly submit to his control or outside control in their life. Blessed are the meek, Jesus says. Let me, tell, let me give you what I think is the best picture I came across for this. Matthew Henry explains that in Latin, a meek man was called a mansuetus, which meant used to the hand. Used to the hand. So a, a meek person was used to the hand. Now, that might not make any sense to you, that, and that's all right. But think of, think of taming a wild animal or an out-of-control animal, maybe like uh, an unbroken horse. If you went up to an unbroken horse, an untamed horse, and held out your hand, what would happen? Either it would run away, or it would become aggressive and you'd run away. (laughs) It would fiercely resist any kind of of things you try to do to, to, to maybe put a bit or bridle on it. If you attempted to mount it or ride it, it would buck you off. Its strength is uncontrolled. It's unpredictable. Even potentially violent. But when a horse is tamed, in other words, when it gets used to the hand, things change. And the horse's great strength is brought under control and put to good use. Its wild passions are tamed. And this all leads to a peace and and cooperation Colin Smith talks about this picture, and he delves deeper into it. He says this, The Bible compares our fallen human nature to the impulse of wild animals. God says that his own people are like a wild donkey and a restless camel. It's flattering. By nature, we are like wild animals. 
We have strength, but it is neither directed nor controlled, and so our energy gets used in ways that are at best unproductive and at worst destructive. If we want to become useful to God, we need to get used to the hand. When that happens, your wild passions will be subdued, your strength will be harnessed, and you will begin to experience peace. I think that's an excellent picture of meekness what it means to be meek. It's not losing your passion or losing your strength. It's having them tamed and then used, channeled in a godly way. Now, it's not easy to be meek. It is very difficult on a number of levels. It's totally counterintuitive. And nearly the opposite of the way many of us would tend to act or the way we'd expect things to go. But beyond that, it's just hard to humble ourselves enough to be meek. To be content with God's sovereign control over our lives. And to, to respond to other people in our lives with a humble and gentle attitude. It's easy to critique ourselves or to condemn ourselves, but to have outside sources like God or others to control us or to critique us, that's a challenge. Humility is a huge part of being meek. Remember, it is humbly submitting to God's control, humbly submitting. Sometimes humble and meek are even seen as synonyms. In the Bible, in Numbers 12.3, Moses was called the most meek person on the face of the earth. But some other translations translate that as the most humble person on earth. So something of, of Moses' life gives us an example of what it means to be meek. It makes sense to me that, that Moses would be the, the meekest or the most humble man uh, on the face of the earth since he seemed to have the most powerful encounters with God on earth. Right? Think about the, the burning bush or the ten plagues or the, the sea splitting or when he cried out to God, show me your glory. And part of God's glory actually passed in front of him. Or maybe the most powerful on Mount Sinai with thunder and lightning and fire and smoke, and God speaking out of it to him. Anyone who experienced those things would definitely be put in their proper place, wouldn't they? They'd have a right perspective on things. In others, they'd have humility. See, the more that we see God for who he is, the more humble we instinctively become. That's why it's so crucial that, that poor in spirit and mourning sin come first for us. Because they teach us humility. Christians who are meek will see themselves as extremely unworthy of God's grace. And therefore, they'll be all the quicker to offer grace to others around them. Though they, they won't think that they're all that. They won't incessantly seek their own way. Because they'll realize that their own way isn't the be-all, end-all anyway. They won't be so proud as to see themselves as superior to other people. So they won't come off as high and mighty or overbearing. 
They also won't be as hurt by other people disrespecting them or disagreeing with them. Because they'll already be brought low by their own humility. And therefore, they won't need, feel the need to constantly defend themselves against others. Neither will they need to feel constant self-pity for themselves. They, they've come to accept who they are before God and joyfully accept His grace right where they're at. Lloyd-Jones sums up, it says, To be meek means that you have finished with yourself altogether. And once we've finished with ourselves, it becomes necessary to submit ourselves to God. That means bring ourselves under. Submit ourselves to God. And this would include submitting both to God's will and to God's word. You may have a a hard time accepting God's will for where he has brought you in life. Or the path that he has led you along. But being meek would mean not complaining or contending that he got it all wrong. Lamenting or crying is okay, but quarreling and resisting is not. We must submit to his will, and then we must must submit to his word. Allowing ourselves to be molded by it, like clay being formed in a potter's hand. If you are meek, Scripture will be able to to bend you wherever it needs to bend you. That you'll have a a soft heart, ready to repent, ready to obey. Picture yourself as that horse being trained, and God's Word as the hand of the trainer coming towards you. As, as, As God's Word comes toward us, we should no longer kick or buck or fight. As we hear his word, we need to humbly submit ourselves to it. Allow it to come in and to to stroke us, to to bridle us, to mount us, to to steer us. James 1, 19-21 says this, Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And notice, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Receive the word with meekness. Let it train us. Let it guide us. That is a key part of submitting ourselves to God. I'd add here that Submitting ourselves to God will lead to submitting ourselves to other people as well. might not be reflected in the main point there, but this is an automatic. It leads straight to it. Ephesians 5.21 instructs, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we submit to Christ first, and then out of that we submit to other people. Meekness shows us how we're to react to other people in our lives. It shows itself in the way we do that. Are we argumentative or quarrelsome? It's not meekness. Do we insist it's our way or the highway? It's not meek. Are we unwilling to budge in our opinions? When a, when a community of believers makes a decision that you don't agree with, what do you do? 
Do you fight back? You fume? You make demands? You run away? Meekness would call us, all of us, including myself, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Meekness is is really forged in the fires of community. So, are you committed to community? Perhaps God has put some people in your life that are there to test you and grow you in this area. You know that person who you think of immediately who's annoying you? And listen, side note, parents, your kids may be put in your life to teach you meekness. Kids, your parents may be put in your life to teach you meekness. Meekness is forged in when we're in relationship with others. So commit yourselves to, to growing together under God's word, to submitting ourselves together. Commit to accountability, to unity, even if you don't get your way. And you'll grow in meekness. God blesses those who humbly submit to his control. To his control. Now that might express itself in self-control. Living a controlled and disciplined life. But true self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Or a result of being spirit Controlled. That's how I become self-controlled, being spirit-controlled. And as we learn to walk by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, to be sensitive to Him, to His leading, quick to obey, then the more our strength will be controlled and the meeker will become. Colin Smith encourages us to, get, to consider the potential blessings here. Right, think about what controlled strength would mean in your life. Growing in meekness will subdue your impulsiveness, giving you control over anger. It will change the way you speak, giving you control over the harsh word and the sharp put-down. Growing in meekness will lead you to contentment, bringing you peace as you get used to the hand of God, even in the difficult circumstances of your life. Now listen, could you use less anger in your life? More careful speech? More contentment? More peace? A meek man or woman learns to control their tongues and their tempers. A meek man or woman learns to be gentle with all those who trample along their path. A meek man or woman learns to be thankful in all circumstances. And this happens, all this happens by bringing ourselves under the influence and control of the Holy Spirit. In fact, that is the only way we will ever become meek. By God's power, not our own. That's why I phrased our our main point is humbly submitting to His control. Because we can't muster up meekness on our own. It is a supernatural trait. Spurgeon says, It is only the grace of God, as it works in us by the Holy Spirit, that can make us meek. 
only by His grace, only by the Spirit. See, it, it can be easy today to, to hear the multifaceted nature of meekness and feel like an absolute failure here. Right? And if we're honest with ourselves, most of us are not very meek at all. And remember, these Beatitudes describe what every Christian is meant to be like. So you might feel overwhelmed thinking, I could never get there. I can't do that. That's right where God wants you. Because what is impossible for man is never impossible for God. And if God's Spirit lives inside of us, then we can grow in this. We can become meek. Because He works inside of His people. Listen to this hope-infused challenge from Lloyd-Jones. It says, We shall never make ourselves meek. It cannot be done. Nothing but the Holy Spirit can humble us. Nothing but the Holy Spirit can make us poor in spirit and make us mourn because of our sinfulness and produce in us this true right view of self and give us this very mind of Christ himself. But this is a serious matter. Those of us who claim to be Christian claim of necessity that we have already received the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have no excuse for not being meek. It is the direct fruit of the Spirit. It is offered to us, and it is possible for us all. Focus on that last line. It is offered to you, and it is possible for you. If you have the Spirit inside. So very practically... How can we become meek? If, if we can't do it on our own, what do we have to do? And let me run you through three things that I think help us cooperate with God growing this fruit in us. Right? We can't, we can't make it grow ourselves. We can get in his pathway, though, for him to do it for us. First of all, increase your awe over God's grace. Increase your awe over God's grace. Don't just shrug off the gospel because you are overly familiar with it. It is vital here for this. Look to the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Stare intently into its glories every chance you get. Preach it to yourself. Hear it preached regularly. Meditate on it. Sing about it. You deserve nothing but hell. You have no inherent rights. You need God. And amazingly, He gives Himself to us. Dying for us in our place simply because He loves us. Now, if this doesn't strike us with awe, we've got to pray for God to reopen our eyes. We need to have awe over this. The more that you see your own severe shortcomings, the more patient you will be with others. The more that you realize a total dependence on God's grace, the more you'll be gracious. 
the more that you are awed by how God has treated you, the more meekness you'll exhibit in your relationships. In the Gospel, we really see the greatest example of meekness ever displayed. We rebelled and provoked God beyond comprehension. And he rightly could have crushed us. But he restrained his anger. He was so patient, putting up with our incessant sin. Even as, uh, this is so important, no one's strength, right? No one's strength, an infinite strength of that, was ever more perfectly controlled. Even as Christ came to earth and was abused, mocked, scorned, and killed, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That is meekness personified and exemplified. Matthew Boga explains, those who are meek shall inherit the earth because Jesus, who has the name that is above every name, who is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, was perfectly submissive to God the Father. On the cross, Christ took upon himself the punishment for hard hearts that insisted upon their own way so that they could take upon themselves his gentle and meek nature submitting to God. The meek inherit the earth because Jesus, the only deserving heir, gave it up for them. He gave it up. So now you can receive it. If you have never humbly submitted your life to him, you should do so now, today. Give up your sins. Give your heart to him. And he promises to save you. To save you from sin, to save you from death, to save you from hell, to save you from yourself. For all of us, we have to increase our awe over this. And that'll begin to instill meekness in us. Second, I'd encourage you to place yourself under God's word. Place yourself under God's word. We already talked about this. But this doesn't only mean reading and studying God's word, though it may start there. This means consistently placing yourself under the faithful preaching of God's word. This means committing yourself to a community of believers to grow together through his word. And here at Calvary, we do this primarily through our Sunday morning gatherings and through our small groups. We grow together. And are you committed to that? This, uh, this means then consciously seeking to obey whatever you hear from God's word. Whatever he convicts you of, to submit yourself to that. 
allowing it to, to shape your beliefs, to shape your dreams and desires and thoughts and affections and actions. Matthew eleven twenty nine, a very key verse for this topic. Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He is gentle and lowly in heart. In other words, he is meek. And he invites us to, to yoke ourselves to him, to walk with him, and to learn from him. So what are you doing to, to walk with him, to learn from him, even on a daily basis? The best way, hear from him and obey him. The last, yet perhaps most important step I give us is to pray for the inner work of God's Spirit. Pray for the inner work of God's Spirit. You can do this even right now. Wherever you are, you can, you can pray this to, to express your desire for Him to grow this fruit in you. To ask God to, to increase your amazement in the Gospel. Ask Him to help you obey His Word. Ask for wisdom. Ask for, for supernatural patience and gentleness, and self-control. Pray for opportunities to grow in meekness. So that may be asking for challenges. Pray that you become sensitive to the Spirit's guidance. Your heart would be soft to His prompting you, restraining you, pointing you where to go. And as this prayer is, is very much according to His will, what He wants to do in each one of us, we can be confident that He will hear us and He will answer this prayer. And if He does answer our prayer and we can grow in this and we can grow to become meek, how will we be blessed? Well, it may almost sound too grand to be true, but this is Jesus' promise. Verse 5 again. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What we learn here is this. God blesses people who humbly submit to his control by giving them his world. He gifts, or he bequeaths, he wills, the earth, to the meek. God blesses people who humbly submit to his control by giving them his world. Psalm 24, 1 says this, declares, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, or everything in it. It's his. He owns it. He rules it. And he does what he pleases with everything in it. And what he pleases, what it pleases him to do is to hold it out as an inheritance to the meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Remember I said to imagine if someone offered that everything you see would be given to you as a gift one day. Everything you see. That's what Jesus is offering as an inheritance. 
But the difference between a, a normal inheritance and the one that Jesus offers is that he is still alive and well. Right? We're not losing him in order to get this. He did have to die, but he's not dead anymore. And he still offers an inheritance. This, mean, this doesn't mean that the Lord won't own the earth himself anymore. But it means that we will be co-owners with him. Fellow heirs. That's a biblical term. Right? Hebrews 1, 2 says that Jesus has been appointed the heir of all things. And then Romans 8, 16, 17 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Now, I want you to think about our world today. Think about who has power in our world. All right, now, who would it seem to you has inherited the earth at this point in time? Someone say Donald Trump? Well, yeah. Not just him, though. Think of, of presidents or rulers of other nations. Even our own politicians here in Canada. Many have similar characteristics, right? Or think of outside of politics. Those who seem most successful in business or finance. Or the richest. Or the celebrities or sports icons who hold so much influence in our day. Generally, the more assertive, arrogant, aggressive, or abrasive the person, the higher they go. Right? Very few of those who seem to have it all now could be called meek. No, meek people are often just, seem to be ignored or, or trampled underfoot. But Jesus turns all of that on its head. And then he says that one day, the meek will have it all. They'll have it all. In this beatitude, Jesus was likely alluding to a verse from Psalm 37, which says, But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Now, it's no coincidence that the, the verse right before that says... In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. A few lines down from that in Psalm 37. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. Mark the blameless and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. When Jesus reiterated this promise in Matthew 5, ungodly and strong people ruled the world. Not much has changed, but in some of God's people in that day thought they should fight back. 
to fight fire with fire. But instead, Jesus called his people to control their strength and to wait for their day to come. After the political turmoil of the past couple years here in North America, many people were shaken up. Maybe you were as well. Worried about where this world is headed. Where it is now. But if you are a follower of Christ, you don't have to be afraid. Because we know where the world is going. It's going to be ours. So what does it mean to inherit the earth? What will that involve? Owning or possessing land, riches, peace, success, power or authority of some kind. In the long run, the answer could really be all of the above. One day, God will take this old earth and the old heavens and he will renew them into a glorious new heavens and earth for us to dwell with him for eternity. And the heavenly rewards that he gives out at those times seem to reflect earthly rewards now. Right? Wealth, possession, authority, and the like. Except that they'll be even better. The things now are just shadows. Because everything that God gives then will be eternal indestructible. They'll never cease. Eternity won't be boring. We will get to explore and enjoy a new earth to its fullest. We will have real jobs that actually mean something. We'll have wealth that actually means something, actually used for good things. And that's not even mentioning the greatest blessing of getting to dwell with God. That's what awaits the meek in the future. However, even in the short term, in the immediate, I believe they're blessed. Because the meek person is already an heir with Christ. So they know their destiny They know what's coming, and they can thus be at peace and content now in whatever circumstances arrive. They can enjoy this present earth on a level that no one else can. A truly meek person is already satisfied in life if they have Christ and nothing else. So may we all learn to follow our humble gentle, meek, Lord and Savior. He was no weakling. He chose to control his all-powerful strength, to follow the will of his Father and the leading of the Spirit. He endured the cross, and he inherited a crown. The earth is now his. And all who follow in his footsteps will get to join in his blessing. 
me leave you with one final quote from Charles Spurgeon. It is wonderful that rough natures will yield before gentle natures. After all, it is not the strong who conquer the weak. When all earthly forces are overthrown, Christ's kingdom will stand. Nothing is mightier than meekness. And it is the meek who inherit the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us believe that that is true. And nothing is mightier than meekness. Help us leave everything, ourselves, our rights, our causes, our dreams, our future, in your hands. Help us submit to you. Realize we have nothing without you and we have everything in you. God, you are so good to us. Humble us now. In Jesus' name, amen.